G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. You know, the majority is not always right. I'm sorry to tell you that. The majority wanted Christ crucified, okay? It's often the one man, the one woman that will stand up for what is true. The world changer. The one who isn't so concerned about the opinions of others and far more concerned about the opinion of God. Are you a world changer? Pastor Greg Laurie wants to know if you're the man or woman that God can use to impact the world around you. What kind of influence are you having on others? This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Thanks for joining us on A New Beginning. Today, Pastor Greg will spend some time talking about climate change. No, not the kind the politicians are fighting about, spiritual climate change. The question is not whether the spiritual climate is changing, it is. The question is what are we doing to change it in the right direction? Pastor Greg continues his challenging series exploring the lives of those in the Bible who've had a marked effect on their culture and we're learning to follow their example. Let's grab our Bibles and we're going to get back into our World Changers series. And I'm going to ask you to turn to two passages today, Hebrews 11 and Genesis 12. Hebrews 11 and Genesis 12. And the title of my message is No Forwarding Address. Let's uh, pray together. Father, we look at our country right now and it just needs help. It needs world changers because we know our ultimate solution is not a political one. We need men of God. We need women of God. We need children of God to step up to the plate and do what you've called us to do and change our world instead of our world changing us. So as we look now at the life of a man who did just that, help us to be inspired, help us to learn from these passages we're about to look at and help us to change our world, we would pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to look now at a world changer named Abraham. And uh, he had an eternal perspective. He was called by God to leave his homeland, to leave his family, and go to an unknown destination. He packed up his bags and left no forwarding address, hence the title of the message. And he changed his world. He's named 74 times in the New Testament. And there's only 11 chapters of Genesis devoted to the first 2,000 years of human history. That's 19 earlier generations. But then there's 14 chapters dedicated to the life of one man who is Abraham. In fact, one-third of the verses here in Hebrews 11, which is really the Heroes Hall of Faith is devoted to Abraham and Sarah. Man, that's a lot of ink. 
And so God must have wanted us to know about this man, this great patriarch of the faith. So let's read some of what Hebrews 11 says about him, starting in verse eight. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, his heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah also herself received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was well past the age. Because she judged him faithful, who had promised, therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. They were assured of them, and they embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. We'll stop there. Okay, why was Abraham a world changer? What did he do? Number one, Abraham listened to God. World changers listen to God. Verse eight. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. He listened to God. Number two, world changers obey God. See, it's not just enough to hear from God. I have to then respond. I either obey or disobey. World changers obey God. To his credit, without argument, Right there on the spot, Abraham obeyed God. This was faith in action. You know, as you grow in your faith, you're gonna discover this. There are certain things God tells you as a Christian to not do. And you're gonna realize in time that the reason he says that is to protect you. In fact, the Bible says, no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. If God says, don't do it, that's because it's a bad thing. If God says do it, that's because it's a good thing. So if the Lord says stay away from that thing, that's for your own benefit. Obey the Lord and do what He tells you to do. So God told Abraham to make a clean break with his past and his family. God was commanding him to leave his people, his family, everyone that he knew, just leave them all together. Why? because they were detrimental to his spiritual growth. His environment was not conducive to him growing spiritually, so the Lord said, you need to walk away. Let me ask you a question. What kind of influence is your family having on you? What kind of influence are your friends having on you? Now let's turn it around. What kind of influence are you having on them? Remember I told you before, a world changer is a thermostat, not a thermometer. I've been having some problems with my thermostat lately. It's one of these fancy high-tech thermostats. I'm not gonna say what brand it is, <coughs> Nest, but um, <laughs> I liked it because it's this cool little digital thing and you, you set it 
and it's very easy to figure out and there it is. But what I've discovered is the nest has its own little brain and it, quote, learns things. And that means that it starts making decisions for you. So nest decided the other night, you know, Greg doesn't need it at 70 degrees at night. He would be happier if it was 74 degrees. So I woke up in the middle of the night. What is going on? I did not set this to 74. I set it to 70. I turn it back. Then the next day, Nest decides it should be 64 in the house instead of, so what are you doing, Nest? I, I have conversations with it. And it's like, you're talking to the GPSs that are trying to kill us, aren't you? The robots are taking us over. Okay, but theoretically, a thermostat sets the temperature. A thermometer just tells you how warm or cold it is. A world changer sets the temperature. A person who's being changed by the world, they, they just respond. World changers influence their surroundings. Those who are changed by the world are influenced by what is happening around them. They're far more concerned about the opinions of other people. What kind of influence are you having on others? You know, sometimes our circumstances change, but if we're a man or a woman of God, it won't change us. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three young teenage boys plucked from their homeland, taken from their home, sent to a pagan country known as Babylon. Everybody was worshiping false gods there and ultimately would bow down before the image of the king Nebuchadnezzar, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they had faith in God. When push came to shove, they stood their ground. They were thermostats, not thermometers, reminding us that world changers are almost always a minority, rarely, if ever, a majority. You know, the majority is not always right. I'm sorry to tell you that. <laughs> the majority wanted Christ crucified, okay? It's often the one man, the one woman that will stand up for what is true, the world changer, the one who isn't so concerned about the opinions of others and far more concerned about the opinion of God that stands up and says what is right. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. And today he's leading us in a study on the life of Abraham. We're learning that world changers, just like Abraham, hear the voice of God and they obey the voice of God. Let's continue. So Abraham's family was dragging him down and God said, you got to cut him loose, buddy. Separate yourself. You know, if you want to be a happy person and a blessed person, there are certain things you should do and there are certain things you should not do. Psalm 1 says, blessed or happy is the man or the woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful. You want to be a happy person, don't hang around ungodly people. Now look, you can't control your entire environment. Uh, you may have a family that has ungodly people in it. You may be in a workplace with people that don't believe. You may be in a classroom around people that don't share your faith uh, and so forth. I'm not saying you, you can change that, but there's a difference between who I'm around and who I choose to spend time with. Spend time with godly people. Find godly friends that will build you up in your faith and increase your appetite for spiritual things, not 
people who drag you down and decrease your appetite for spiritual things. God said, cut them loose. But then happy people are also known for what they do because someone continues. But his delight is in the word of the Lord and in it does he meditate day and night. So don't do these things, hang, hang around godless people, but do this thing, study the word of God and spend time with godly people. Point number three. World changers are heavenly minded because they're heavenly citizens. Again, world changers are heavenly minded because they're heavenly citizens. Look at verse 16. They desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. Old Hank Williams had it right when he's saying, this world is not my home. I'm a, just a passing through. And that's true. We're just passing through. The Bible says of our lives on earth in 1 Chronicles 29, 15, we're only here for a moment. Visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow gone so soon without a trace. Christians have a longing for something the earth can never deliver. We know ultimately only heaven can. We know earth at its best are just a pale imitation of greater things to come. Because we were created for something more, much more. It was Augustine who said, quote, of God, you've made us and drawn us to yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you, end quote. And because of this homesickness for heaven, we see the world for what it is. Uh, speaking of the world, I don't mean the earth, I don't mean the beauty we're surrounded by, flawed as this planet is, and it'll be better one day when the new earth comes, but when I talk about the world, I'm talking about a mentality. I'm talking about a culture. I'm talking about a way of thinking that is influenced by the God of this world, Satan, who manipulates us and tries to get us to just live for ourselves and our selfish desires. In fact, the Bible says of this world system in 1 John 2.16 from a modern translation, the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our accomplishments and possessions. This is not from the Father. This is from the world. But as citizens of heaven, we know we're built for another place. Verse 16, they desire a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. Did you hear that? Listen, heaven is a real place for real people to do real things. Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. Heaven's a city. What is a city? It's a place where people live. It's a place where commerce is done. It's a place where you can eat in a restaurant or go watch a concert or do the work you're there to do. Heaven's a city. It's not like a city. It is a city. Heaven is a country. It's not like the country. It is a country. Heaven is a paradise. These are words the Bible uses and we need to remember we're going to a real place. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Are you prepared? I heard about a little boy that was out flying his kite and it went up so high you couldn't even see it. And a man walked by and saw the string going up and said, what are you doing, boy? And he said, fly my kite, mister. And the guy said, well, I can't even see your kite. How do you know it's still there? The little guy said, I can feel its tug. 
And in the same way as Christians, we can feel the tug of heaven. And that helps us to start thinking about eternal things more. I want you to notice something else. Abraham lived in a tent, which meant he was always on the move. He never built a permanent home. I'm, I don't know if you've noticed, but you live in a tent too. I don't mean literally, but your body. And the Bible is described as a tent. Second uh, Corinthians 5.1 says, we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this body, we have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God Himself and not by human hands. This body will eventually wear out. This comes as a revelation to some people. Yeah, we're all getting old, but that's okay. Because we know time passes, but we're getting closer to the Lord and closer to seeing the Lord. Bringing me to point number four. World changers live by faith. They live by faith. The word promise is repeated twice in Hebrews 11.9. For by faith we dwell in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Listen to this. World changers live on promises, not explanations. They live by faith, not by sight. They live on fact, not on feelings. Because we recognize that our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when God called Abraham, he gave him a promise. Now it was up to Abraham to take hold of that promise which he could not yet see. That's what faith does. Faith sees what could be, not just what is. Faith sees invisible things. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Oswald Chambers, best known for his book, My Utmost for His Highest, made this statement about faith, and I quote, faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen, end quote. I like that. Faith is like a muscle. You gotta use it. If you neglect it, it will atrophy. If you use it, it will get stronger. You have to apply your faith. And you know what that means? It means you take risks. And some people are afraid to take risks in faith. They wanna play it safe. They don't wanna leave their comfort zone. They don't wanna do anything that makes them feel a bit awkward. Hey, I'm saying leave your comfort zone. Take bold steps of faith. That's what world changers do. And faith grows stronger when you do. We read in Romans 4.20, Abraham grew strong in faith. Listen, the great heroes of Hebrews 11, the uh, Heroes Hall of Faith, were not perfect people, but they were maturing people. They were works in progress. And maybe you've had a lapse of faith lately. One of the first things you lose is your peace and your joy. I think we're so used to uh, that peace. You wake up every morning just this calm sense that God is with you and He's in control of your life and you have this joy. It's gone, man. Sin throws the joy out. So you say, Lord, I, I don't have the joy anymore. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Hey, have you lost your joy? Then admit your sin. Turn from it and ask God to restore it again. He'll do that for you right now.
good encouragement from Pastor Greg Laurie today on A New Beginning. We're learning a lot from the example of Abraham as part of our series, World Changes. And tomorrow we'll continue as Pastor Greg brings the conclusion to this enlightening look at the example of Abraham. Join us for more from this series, World Changes, right here on A New Beginning, same time tomorrow. like a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, it is available on CD from Vision Christian Store. Search No Forwarding Address at visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-50-11. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.